I'm going to invite you to take your Bible. Instead of going to Exodus 20, like we've been for the good portion of the summer, would you turn with me to Ephesians 6? We speak about the blessings of of family. And I'm wondering, feel free to just interact with me at this time. When I say the word family, what is the first word that comes to your mind? Love. But family? Okay. What's the first word that comes to your mind when I say family? Children? Parents? Unconditional love? Discipline? That's from the pastor's son right there. (laughs) Anyone else? Prayer? Annette? Okay. That's, That's a good word, Annette, yeah. Fun. Thank you. Well, as we look at our passage today, I'm reflecting, reflecting on my own life of, as, as a little boy, how, how people, adults in my life would say, Chad, these are your golden years. These are going to be the best years of your life. I, I think of in my college years where people said, Chad, enjoy it now because you have unlimited freedom. But the real world is right around the corner. I think at a time when I was dating Melody and, and people would say to me, hey, enjoy this courtship right now because once you get married, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> or, or when we started having little children, oh yeah, you're going to enjoy them now, but what? Wait to the teen years, right? Well, today we have three teenagers in our home and, and two other boys. And I think I could say with absolute confidence, these are the best years of my life. We want to talk today about the family. Two weeks from today, Lord willing, we'll talk about marriage in the context of do not commit adultery. But today, we're going to look at this passage that speaks about the parental relationship. Not only is a family a gift to us, but it is a gift that is exhausting. It is a gift that comes with a great deal of work attached to it. I was learning just this past week about Lego. I understand my boys correct me all the time and say that it's not Legos plural, but it's Lego. It's hard for us to have a, a birthday party or a Christmas without one of our boys getting a Lego. And the, the biggest set of Legos is one that's the world map, and it contains over 11,000 pieces. Now imagine getting that as a gift, but then saying, go to it. Put this 11,695-piece set together. To me, that doesn't sound like much of a gift. But families are kind of like that. They are prescribed by God, but they come with some expectations that you will work with them. So as we look at this fifth commandment, and I would remind you that as we look at these commandments, there were two different tablets. Many believe that the first tablet of these Ten Commandments had to do with the man's relationship with God. That's the first four commandments. To have no other God before him, to not make any graven image, but to rely entirely on the Word of God, 
That is also to use our words as we refer to God in a very reverent way and to use our time to worship Him. Those are the first four commandments and they pertain to our relationship with God. The second tablet may have very well been commandments number five all the way to number ten that have to do with man's relationship with one another. And at the very top of that tablet would have been the fifth commandment that speaks about how we relate to our parents. And it's as if to say, if you have a good relationship and you are honoring your parents, then all these other commandments will fall in line. Well, this commandment is repeated in the book of Ephesians. And so that's why I would like to look at the first four verses in Ephesians chapter 6. A a real quick summary of Ephesians. The first three chapters have to do with the main message of the Bible, something we call the good news or the gospel of how we are saved by God's grace, not by our works. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 have to do with how we live out that gospel in daily living. And one of the centerpieces of that is chapter 5, verse 18, that speaks about not being drunk with wine, but being filled with the Spirit. So what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? And we are getting one example after another of being filled with the Spirit in the family. Look at now at chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, that it is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What I'd like to do in the time that I have with you this morning is actually provide a a balanced view of honor your father and mother. The first thing I would like to do, the first half of this message, I'd actually want to just weigh in on chapter 6 verse 4. And I want to speak to the parents or the grandparents in the room today. And children... I want you to overhear what the Bible says about the instructions to them. And then the second half of the message will actually weigh in on words that are designed for our children. That is to honor your father and mother. So number one, here's a word to the parents. Let's just allow our eyes to fall on verse four. Fathers... Now, it certainly could read fathers and mothers, but it says fathers, and I think that's a part of the the headship theme that we see as the man being the head of the home. But I think we could read in verse 4 that this is not only just for the men, but women. Fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger. So the first word to parents is stated in the negative, and that is do not provoke resentment in your children. So as we're thinking about the gift of being parents today, we are being instructed to not allow our children, not to make them bitter, not to excite anger in them, to to cause them to be disheartened, to cause them to lose heart, or to crush them emotionally. Now, how, How could we do that? 
I'm going to give you a list of a number of ways of which we can do that. And this is not just some arbitrary list. This is a list of failures in my own parenting of which I think I have done this. The first way that we can provoke children is by ourselves as dads and moms being selfish. We, We can have this sentiment that would say, don't you realize that you exist to make me look good? And don't embarrass me. I'm going to make you in my own mold. And don't mess up my house. And don't break my stuff. We have a little saying in our family that that is repeated frequently. Add it to the list. Now what that means is something else has been broken. And that's just one other thing that dad's going to have to look after. In fact, I think I work six days a week, and on my seventh day, I actually repair the things that my boys have broken throughout the week. Or this idea of being selfish is don't infringe on my relaxation and comfort. If, if you think that your children are going to add to your comfort, you are sorely mistaken. Here's a second way that we can provoke our children, and that is to be hypocritical. To be one person at home and another person at church or in public or family gatherings or to offer advice that you yourself don't keep. I think it would be helpful for our children to see us fail and to, to let them know that I struggle with these things as well. Because if we don't share that, they can think that they're the only ones that are struggling to follow through with what God is commanding them. And it can be such a serious, sobering thing in the home. Whereas someone said already, it's a family is a place where we ought to laugh. And parents ought to laugh at themselves. I was given a fresh example of this recently. I did a wedding about a, a, a month ago for my sister and brother-in-law, Mike. And if ever you want to get a wedding right, it's for your family, right? And so as I was working through my script for this wedding, you know, there are certain things that a pastor will say that he just doesn't normally say on, other than the days of a wedding, like going through the vows, going through what you're going to repeat when you're putting the wedding ring on another person's finger. And also at the end, when you'll say something like, you may now kiss the bride. That's just not something you say other than a wedding. Now, the last person I had married prior to this, Kathy and Eric. So I thought I had changed all the words and all of the names. But when it came time to the really, a really important moment in that service, I said to my brother-in-law, Mike, you may, Eric, you may now kiss the bride. And I didn't think anything of it. I didn't know I did it at all until one of my sons, who's the video editor. I come home from church one day and says, Dad, do you want to watch the wedding? Sure, I'll I'll watch it. (laughs) And I was certain that he had somehow manipulated the audio. But he did it. And they've been calling him Uncle Eric ever since. <laughs> but we have to laugh, don't we? And I give my family fresh examples on the regular 
of ways that I to be laughed at. Here's another one, is just being critical. I think parents, sometimes we forget how difficult it is to be a kid, particularly during adolescence, when we're not doing things right, when we're clumsy, when we're just awkward, we're so insecure. It is possible, parents, that the only time we speak to our kids is when we're telling them they've done something wrong. And after a while, it can set in like, you know, you're right. I am just a screw-up. Another way we can provoke them is to be unengaged. When our children came to us, they knew absolutely nothing. But for many of them, they think that they know absolutely everything, right? But it is our responsibility to equip them with life experiences. And perhaps, due to this laziness or the pressures of other things, we don't speak into their lives the way that we are supposed to. Well, one way or another, our children are going to try to figure it out, either from us or from the world. And when they learn from the world, it doesn't go well. Another way that we can provoke our children is just to be overly controlling. We can hover over every decision, never allowing the son or daughter to decide or make mistakes on their own. And our control can convince them that they can't do anything. And eventually they might settle on that opinion themselves. Another way is to discipline in anger. We just get fed up with the defiance and say, enough is enough. Now it's my turn to to blow off some steam. Or fail to recognize the, the difference between a childlessness and rebellion. Sometimes a kid just spills the milk. Sometimes they write on the wall and things that they don't even know that they're not supposed to. That's a, that's a, that's a big time difference between knowing something very clearly and rebelling. There's favoritism. Within a family, oftentimes a child is more like the dad or a child is more like the mom. And it's our tendency then to say, well, they get it because they're just like me and we can play favorites. Or there's unrealistic expectations. Son, I want you to go out and clean the garage. Well, they're five years old. They can't do that. Or daughter, what I need you to do is Empty the dishwasher. They don't even know how to open the dishwasher. I've learned that over and over again. That I need to know where they're at in their development and offer them chores and tasks that they can accomplish. Another one is just to offer no affection in words or touch. Instead of making it crystal clear that you are loved, that you are accepted, that I'm here for you and I am proud of you. We can put our children on a quest to seek after this from someone else. So here's the first thing that we're told not to do. I didn't tell you this was going to be a comfortable message. Here's the three things that we are to do. Look again at verse 4. But bring them up. The word bring them up in Greek is actually translated in verse 29 as nourish. So how are we to raise our children? We are to nourish them. This is an agricultural term. 
Here in northeast Wisconsin, we typically plant our garden sometime after Memorial Day. Now imagine you went through all the work of planting the garden. And then imagine that you thought that all you need to do is then just come back to that garden on harvest day. Without any work in between. You don't need to water. You don't need to weed. You don't need to fertilize or or to bind up. You would have no harvest at all. And this is the word picture that's being provided for our children that we are to tend to them daily. This is a full-time job that we are to look after them. They need to be nourished with truth and encouragement. Here's the second thing that we are called to do on the positive, and that is to discipline them. You see it there in verse 4, but bring them up in the discipline. Now, this is a word that's not very popular. And that's why, children, I thought it would be helpful for you to overhear the responsibility that is placed on your mom and dad. But we read in Hebrews chapter 12 that God disciplines those He loves. God has given to us these commands. And He loves us so much that He will hold us accountable. He will not allow us to stray in our relationship with Him. So He'll introduce pain to bring us back to Him. And mom and dad, it's our responsibility to one day hand our children off. And God's going to discipline them. And what better way to do that when they're young and to teach them early on that if you don't follow through on what you've been asked to do, there will be consequences. Because we love you. I don't know how many times my wife and I have had this kind of conversation. If we do not address this attitude or this behavior or this particular sin right now, what is going to happen if this child is an adult? It's going to be so much more severe. Mom and dad, it's our responsibility to lovingly, yet firmly, to address that. We are to offer discipline. And this discipline is never to be done in anger. It is always to be done in love. But we look at Proverbs 23 where it says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you you will save his soul from Sheol. Or Proverbs 13, verse 24, Whoever spares the rod, hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Discipline is never to be done in anger. It's to be done in, a, in an understanding way, under control. And it has, it's not the only tool in the toolbox, but it is one. And it is hard to be consistent. There's a story of a father who was spanking his little boy and said, Son, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And the boy replied, yeah, but not in the same place. And then I'll give you this last one. This is the responsibility of fathers and mothers. You see it there in verse 4. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Moms and dads, it is your responsibility to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. I heard this week of parents of newborn children 
that when it came time to fill out the paperwork for this newborn, they deliberately chose not to check a box of male or female. Why? Because they don't want to impose their values on that child. They want that child to to figure it out on their own. And this, this is the culture that we have. I don't want to impose my views on them. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you that the culture will certainly impose their views on the children. And mom and dad, it is your responsibility to instruct the children in the ways of the Lord. We do this when it comes to hygiene, don't we? We instruct them to brush their teeth. We instruct them to put deodorant on. And we instruct them to go through driver's ed so they know the rules on the road. And we are, as we see here in this verse, we have given the responsibility to instruct them. I'd say instruct them that they are made in the image of God that they have infinite value as a human being. Instruct them on the greatest problem of their life is not pollution, but it is their sin. And that there is one that has come to save them from their sin. My wife was a magnificent example of this. Looking for opportunities to share the gospel to our children, they came to her during the day when they would disobey. She would bring them, separate them from the group and say, do you know what you did? Yes. You know what you did was wrong? Yes. What do we call that? We call that sin. Why do you sin? I don't know. Well, I'll tell you why. Because you have a sin nature. And she would just walk through some theology at their level. And do you got, I got good news for you, though, is that you don't need to remain in your sin. That Jesus has come. And so there were gospel opportunities frequently for my wife with the boys. And once they have received the grace of God, then identity comes into play, doesn't it? Who am I? What is my value? What do I do when, when I don't get the football in the game? What do I do when the circle of friends at school seem to be not allowing me to be in their group anymore? Well, the Bible has answers for that. There is one else, someone else that was despised and rejected. That your, your true value is in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Not what a group of people say about you. We are to instruct them on the gospel. We are to instruct them on the wisdom for life. So that is just a word to parents. But now I told you we would conclude our message by just a couple of words Words to the children. Let's go back to this fifth commandment. We see it repeated in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and yet you may live long in the land. This word honor is important for us to remember. It's the word kabod in Hebrew. It means to weigh heavy, to have high regard or reverence. How is it that we are honoring our father and mother? Let me give you a few different ways. One is through obedience. We see that in chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If we want to honor our parents, we obey them. 
Proverbs 13 verse 1 says, A wise son hears his father's instruction. Parents are not perfect. They sin, but God has placed them sovereignly in your life to care for you. And it's your responsibility to submit to them. Even Jesus, who had parents that were sinners, according to Luke chapter 2, verse 51, he was submissive to them. Another way that we can honor our parents is to respect them. In Proverbs 23, verse 22, it says, Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. Here is the truth, children and youth, that your parents are older than you. And they know more about life than you. They care about you. They love you. And they've made many of the mistakes that unless you heed their advice, you will make yourself If my mother and stepdad were here today, I believe they would say we were not Christ followers as we were raising Chad and his older brother. But we did the very best we could. And you know what? I'm here to tell you that they did as best they knew and the vast, vast, vast majority of what they did in parenting us was spot on. The Bible does not take kindly the children who disrespect their parents. Parents, you may consider a few of these verses for wall art. Here's Exodus 21, verse 17. It says, Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. And that might be something you could put right over your kitchen, you know, as, you, as you're coming in. Or how about Leviticus 29, verse 7? For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. I'm thinking maybe more over the living room for that one there. Here's another way that we can honor. It's just to be thankful. I just, I just share with you some insight into my own heart. One of my favorite things to do is to bless my sons. I actually think I know what would bless them more than what they think would bless them. And I absolutely love to do it. A few weeks ago, we were at this uh, concert festival, and one of our guys texted me saying, Did you ha- are you having a great time at this? Are you enjoying this? And I think my response was, I'm enjoying watching my family enjoy this. I get more joy out of blessing them than I do of just receiving the blessings. And you know what amps that up, children? Is when they share gratitude for that. To say, you know what? There was a sacrifice, Dad, that went into that. You didn't have to do that. And I just want you to know that I'm just calling attention to that. I appreciate that. Now, now an eight-year-old doesn't say it like that. But, Dad, thank you. I mean, that just goes a long way, that they have not taken it for granted. Uh, yesterday, as we are hearing from camp, more than a few of them said, Dad, thank you for p- paying for summer camp. I'll give you another one. 
care for. In the first century, there wasn't Social Security or Medicaid. So how were the aging parents cared for? Children. It was the adult children that bore the responsibility for caring for their aging parents. Remember Jesus on the cross? As he was dying, he looked down and said, Woman, to his mom, behold your son. Then he said to the disciples, Behold your mother. His last fleeting thoughts had to do with taking care of his mom. And there are blessings that come when we honor our father and mother. Do you see it there in verse 3? That it may go well with you, and yet you may live long in the land. And if you are honoring your father and mother, this would only make sense. Because they are more experienced and wiser than you, well then you are going to stay away from the bad friends. You're going to stay away from the drugs and and the alcohol and the reckless living. You're going to listen to them as they talk to you about the value of character and doing the right thing and, and being honest. And isn't that true? That when we do that, we live a a good life. Now it talks here about long days and we ought not to see someone that died young like they must not have honored their parents. But rather this is more of the quality of life that one will experience. There are these blessings. Before I move from this, let me just pause with this question. Are there exceptions? Of course. Given the choice, we are to obey God over our parents. And Romans, rather, commandment number one trumps commandment number five. And we saw Jesus even as a child where he was in his father's house giving priority to a relationship with the father. And the, the, the parents came back and said, it's, it's worship day and, and where are our children? We don't know where they, or where is our son? Where, where is he at? We need to go get him. Uh, that happens very frequently to us on Sundays. Where are our kids, Right? But Jesus would say to him, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And Jesus even said something very striking. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And that is to say that our love and devotion for Jesus is to be so exclusive that it makes our love for everyone else look like hate. Let me just leave with you just a few applications, some handles. Number three, the words to honor our parents. I just confess to you that I got this from a pastor on Lansing, Michigan, named Kevin DeYoung. And I think this is a good way for us to kind of end this message. Here's some words to honor for your parents. The first one is yes. Yes, mom, or Yes, Dad. When our parents, rather, when our parents ask us to do something, there ought to be this prompt, cheerful obedience. That is how we honor our father and mother. Here's another couple of words in which we can honor our father and mother, and that is the words, thank you. Thank you, Mom and Dad. I admit to you that as I went through my childhood and teen years, I was so self-absorbed 
that, that I wasn't very thankful. And it wasn't until I became a, a Christian as a young adult where I reflected back to how my stepdad, my, my dad, my, my mom cared for me. And, and I went back to them and I said, man, I'm so sorry. I took that for granted. You want to honor them, continue to say thank you. Here's the third, and that is, I'm sorry. I hope we haven't painted a picture this morning that that families are easy or somehow that our family has it all together. We're just soaring through this just like you, dependent in prayer for God's direction and wisdom as we parent our boys. But it becomes necessary on a regular basis for us to say, I am sorry. And for our children to say that to us, I was wrong and will you forgive me? Not, I'm sorry if you were offended by. And then finally, here's another word. Hello. Maybe you're, you're an adult child and it's been a long time since you've talked to your father, mother. Maybe the application of this message today is just to pick up the phone send them a picture, and say it's been a while since we've talked. How are you doing? As we look at this passage, we conclude with this thought that ultimately God is our Father, and we are to honor Him. And Jesus made that possible. Jesus never dishonored the Father. In Luke 22, verse 42, he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The only way that we can live out this fifth commandment is to be in a saving relationship with the Father, to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5, verse 18. And then there's the fulfillment of obedience. Parents, Children, it's like a laboratory that we have with them for these 18, 20 plus years. And then we send them out into the real world. And may we be faithful in the time that we have with them. Mom and dad, it's your responsibility not to provoke them. To discipline them, to nourish them, to instruct them. Children, it's your responsibility to honor them. And may, by the grace of God, we fulfill this purpose for this gift of the family he has given to us. Would you pray with me? Father, what seemed to be just a short little verse that seems so simple in concept I suppose like golf yesterday. So simple, just to, just to hit a white ball. But it seems impossible to hit it the way I want. It seems so simple to, to just honor mom and dad, but there's this rebellion within, an indwelling sin. It seems so simple to, to raise kids until you're dealing with your own sin and then and then trying to navigate the responsibilities of providing for, protecting, and then leading. 
Lord, once again, we find ourselves deficient, needy, needing to come to you for forgiveness and also for the, for the strength to carry out this commandment. Lord, I'm thankful for grace that's available for forgiveness. And I pray all around this room where we have failed in these, that right now we'll just take that time to confess it. And then we'll just be assured that when we've come confessing sin, that forgiveness is available because Jesus died in our place. And we can be restored in our relationship. Lord, if you are leading us to act on this with our father, mother, with a step-parent, with a grandparent, with our children, then, then I pray that you would then lead us in the courage to carry that out, to have a restored family. This is what your will is for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.